Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word brings light and giveth understanding to the simple. Speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight is wonderful. Tell somebody tonight is wonderful. Hallelujah. Tonight is wonderful. Tell somebody tonight is wonderful. A couple of weeks ago, I made mention about um, something very profound. And I said that some blessings hold on to other blessings. Some blessings hang on certain blessings. That if you get one blessing you are persuaded that the other blessings too will come. Like when Solomon asked God for an understanding heart. The Bible says the Lord gave him wisdom and what? Honor. Praise the Lord. There are certain things that come because you have received certain things. Are you hearing me? And these seem of sort to be um, pillars in the understanding of blessings. Of which other blessings rest. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now today I wanted to take you to a very wonderful world. Of appreciating the gift of righteousness. But from a light I believe many of you have not looked at. You see every time we talk about the righteousness of God. Many people only consider it in the line of deliverance from sin. And that's it. You understand? Because Paul emphasizes many times how that now we're no longer slaves unto sin, but slaves unto righteousness. And of course, the opposite line of sin is righteousness. So every time we talk about the righteousness of God, many people point to the opposite, sin, now righteousness. And so, of course, some of us have had perfection in the flesh, according to our moral standards, and we have appreciated that, we bless the Lord. But much more than that, the righteousness of God is bigger than just walking out of sin or free of sin. Somebody shout hallelujah. So tonight I wanted to touch something very, very important about understanding this as a gift and receiving righteousness as a gift. Praise the Lord Jesus. Because, of course, many people proclaim and say it every time through their mouth. Oh, I'm the righteousness of God. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm that. And that's okay. You can speak all you want about it. But until this transitions just from something you speak and it becomes an experience in your life, you cannot have results. Of course, many of us have gotten used to the idea of speaking like in the form of, but without the experience. The Bible says, desiring to be teachers of the law, knowing not what they teach, neither from whence they are from. Many people don't have a source of their conviction. 
Somebody says, God is a healer. But if you ask him, are you really sure that God is a healer? He says, I'm 101% sure that God is a healer. Then you bring a sick guy and you're like, ha, uh, this one, this, this issue is a bit more complicated than I expected. But that same guy says, God is a healer. Somebody is very broke, but he's teaching about finances. <laughs> oh, God. You're broke, but you're teaching people how to be financially stable. You understand what I'm saying? You cannot teach that which the Lord has not wrought in you. Because you will not cause the Gentiles to be obedient both in word and deed. Praise the Lord Jesus. That is how grace is extended to the people we minister to. Because we draw your expectation. When the Bible says that I have good plans to make you prosper, not to harm you, to give you that future and hope, that expected end. It is the man on the altar who casts light of your expectation. If as a man of God I cast a very dim light of expectation in your spirit, some of you you will never go as further than that. Because many of us are not as stable as to draw from the word of God individually to understand to the fullest. Or if so we are stable, still we require people who are ordained above us. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is why the Bible says, I think in Romans 13, that every soul must be subject to a higher power. For there is no power of God except that power which is ordained of God. For all powers are ordained of God. That means God has anointed people above you. Praise the Lord Jesus. Of course, we are living in a generation where some say, I'm me, I'm under the Holy Spirit, I'm led by the Holy Spirit, I don't need to listen to anyone as long as I have the Holy Spirit. And many of those people, you look at their lives and they have failed to be a success. In the world, they call it mentorship, whatever you want to call it. Call it spiritual father, mother, cousin, whatever you want to call it. But it has a name. It has a what? I have a sermon I preached recently on that. I think we shall share it for those of you who want to understand the whole concept. Praise the Lord. But we are supposed to draw your expectation. Praise the Lord Jesus. And that's our responsibility, to make you dream and believe big and crazy for God. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is why I tell people, in every congregation or ministry that I know, the pastor must be the craziest person. Do you understand what I'm saying? If they're talking of faith, you're supposed to be the craziest believer. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the beauty about the gospel is if you never learn to live on the edge, you will never see glory. Some of you, you love comfort zones where you can believe God for flu to live. You understand? Even things vitamin C can fix. But it's beautiful when you're walking on the edge like this. Your master walked on water. Hallelujah, somebody. Tell somebody I'm a believer. Turn to the other person too and tell them, I am a believer. Praise the Lord. So one of those days I'm reading the scriptures. And I stumble on a portion of scripture that caused me to ask many questions. When he says in Isaiah 3. Verses 10. It says, say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him. For they shall eat of the fruit of their doings. Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him. Now, when the Bible says it shall be well with him. He's not just speaking about that little problem you're having. That is supposed to be fixed on Monday morning. This is a confession into a man's destiny. 
this is a light into a man's path. This is an illumination into one's course. When the Bible says, it shall be well with the righteous, it means it shall be well. When Paul says we are persuaded of the things that accompany salvation, we are persuaded. We are not believing, we are persuaded. You see, you have to get beyond the point of, uh, you know, I'm believing God for a job. I've been praying for a couple of months. I'm believing God for, for this. I'm believing God for, for this. I'm believing God for that. I, I think I've been believing God for... No, no, no. You have to go past believing God for. You have to get to a point where you are persuaded that there are things that must follow you because you believed. Are you hearing me? Do you think you can fail? No. Because it's not supposed to be in your nature. It is not in your nature. You can only fail if you don't understand who you are. When David saw that experience of righteousness, he says, blessed is the man of whom the Lord imputeth not sin, but he imputeth righteousness. David saw it. He says, wow. How be it that you get a man and you impute righteousness? That man is blessed. That man to whom the Lord imputes not sin, but he imputes righteousness. The Bible says that man is blessed. He is blessed. He is blessed. Paul gets it from the psalm, and then he gets into Romans again, and he also quotes it, and he's Romans what, four? He says, that man of whom the Lord imputes not sin, that man is blessed, but he imputes righteousness, even as David deserves the blessings of the man, and to whom God imputes righteousness without works. He says, that man is blessed. Tell somebody I'm blessed. That is why you cannot teach some doctrines to men who have understood the doctrine of righteousness. Because the posterity of that man, according to scripture, is simple. He is blessed. He is not cursed, cannot be cursed, shall not be cursed. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. That's why when you come here, we cannot start telling you the generational curses of your uncle's cousin uncle. Who told your auntie's uncle to bewitch you on Thursday and Tuesday because they could get you on... Tell somebody I'm blessed of God. We cannot mix these two things. The Bible has said that man is blessed. Because he is the righteousness of God. If I am to communicate to you, I must communicate to you as the oracle. He says, if a man should speak, let him speak even as the oracle of God. If I should speak, that means there is even a point where I don't even need to speak in certain instances. Because the Lord deserves and desires that demonstrations represent the gospel we preach. Sometimes you don't need to speak too much. Sometimes you need to just act. One time there was a group of guys who were debating. You know those people who debate on radios? Jesus is what? And I'm not disrespecting apologetics here. Apologetics, I don't disrespect that office. It's a wonderful office for people who are ready to reason. You understand what I'm saying? It's a good place. Because you see, the Jew requires a sign and a Greek wisdom, right? So for the Jew who requires a sign, it's wonderful. And for the Greek who requires wisdom, it's wonderful. Because for some people, if you don't speak wisdom, they can't understand your Jesus. So if you're unapologetic in your right, thank God for you. I respect the anointing of God upon your life. But I've grown to realize that, for example, in this part, Africa particularly, we have many Jewish. Tendencies. <laughs> Am I communicating somebody? 
Oh, this is by debating. Oh, Jesus is Lord. I heard these guys. They were debating. It was even disrespectful. Because, oh, Jesus is not. Oh, Muhammad is. And then they start, pa, 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 which is good. Which is good. But that also has an end. Do you understand what I'm saying? A man one time provoked the spirit on an apostolic fellow and the guy told him, you're going to be blind for a while. That was a testimony enough. You, you don't... You know your roots. You know your roots. The man Elijah is standing before more than 300 prophets, Baal prophets. And they're debating who is the Lord. Which true God is there? He says, okay, the Lord that answereth by fire, he is the Lord. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I don't know whether you know what it means to stand before Jezebel. To stand before hundreds of prophets. Prophets. You understand what I'm saying? Baal prophets. You get my point? And literally the whole nation is against one guy who is sure. In that moment, no fire can come from heaven. No magician can do it. No sorcerer can do it. It ain't matter how much he has been trained in that craft at this particular moment. The heavens were going to fleece any form of sorcery. Simple. Me, I told them we don't need to debate over such issues. Bring a dead guy. Put him there. And let's make sure there is no pulse in his body. And then we say now, whoever raises this guy from the dead should speak. Who agrees? <laughs> of saying no I don't believe no but even me I am doubting how can you no 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 they know them by their what fruits you get my point even Jesus gets to a point and says okay if you don't believe me the words that I'm speaking okay believe the miracles if you doubt the other ones believe these ones are you hearing me somebody do you understand what I'm saying now back to the point when he says Say to the righteous, it shall be well. It means he looks in the life of a righteous man from the beginning to the end. And he tells her, uh, when you find a righteous man, tell him simply, it shall be well with him. This is not something, again I repeat, that is addressing your temporal need. It is something that has looked at the beginning of your life to the end and concluded that it shall be well with you. Somebody say, it shall be well with me. Why? Because I'm the blessed of the Lord. I am the blessed of the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, let me put something in perspective before I go deeper, okay? For those of you who have not yet understood how righteousness comes, okay? Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Give me amplified of that. Just for... Because I want to also respect those who are hearing these things for the first time. Who don't understand how the gift of righteousness comes. The Bible says, For if because of one man's trespass, lapse, offense, death reigned through that one. Are you hearing me? One man. Who was that? Adam. The guy screwed up and all of us were landed in trouble. So even the child that is born out of a woman's womb, immediately that child comes on the earth, they are a sinner. Not because they've done anything wrong to deserve sin, but because they were born with an Adamic nature. Is that fair? It's not fair. It's not fair. 
Because sickness is as a result and death is as a result of sin. The wage of sin is death. Death reigns with man because of sin. You understand what I'm saying? That is why Paul changes the place in the New Testament. He says, we sleep. He doesn't use the word death. Paul doesn't use the word death in the New Testament dispensation. Because for us, with us, death has no sting anymore. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, he says, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one. And he says, much more, and I love, surely, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace. Now, he didn't say those who have. He said those who receive. Because you can have some and not receive it. It can be available to you and you don't receive it. Healing is available for all men. But not all have received healing. Deliverance is available for all men. But not all have received deliverance. Grace is available for all men. But not all have received grace. Not all have gotten it in their spirits. Praise the Lord Jesus. So he says, much more they which receive the free gift of righteousness. So overflowing grace and the free gift. Somebody say free gift of righteousness. Putting them into right standing with himself. Reign as what? Beggars. Reign as what? Third world country. Reign as what? Survivors. Reign as what? No. He says reign as kings in life through the one man who Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. In other words, the moment you receive the overflowing, abundant, unmerited grace of God and the free gift of life. The Bible says you will reign in this one life as kings through Jesus. No, get it out of your head. Put it in your spirit for a moment. If a king is ironing and his bands is shut, what does he do? My shirt. No. Bring another one. You, you get my point. Because it's a kingly grace. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's a kingly grace. Men bring gifts to kings. That means people start blessing you. And I feel sorry for you if people don't bless you at all. Some of you in this world, you give but you don't. When people look at you, you don't deserve certain things. A guy looks at something and says, ah no, this is too much for you. You'll die. It will kill you because it's too good. Praise the Lord Jesus. Because you're kings, you'll attract gifts. Men will bless you. By the way, men will bless you. Men will bless you. Every time people look at you, they don't feel like they want to come in your presence and not bless you. Why? Because that's the grace operating on your life. Somebody shout hallelujah. So he says, much more they which receive the overflowing grace of God and the free gift of righteousness reign in this life as kings. And the next verse says, well then, as one man's trespass, one man's false step, are you hearing me? And falling away led to condemnation for all men. So one man's act of righteousness leads, listen, one, acquittal and right standing with God and life for all who believe. I have heard people say, you have to be righteous. And I'm like, what do you mean by I have to be righteous? I thought I am righteous. No, you have to be righteous. You see, you have to make sure you be righteous. I'm like, no, 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 wait. I am not righteous because of what I do. Common sense, right? But for some people, it's not yet sunk. And I need to help them too. Can you give me time? He says, one man's act of righteousness. One, who is that? 
one. Who is that? Jesus. He says, leads to acquittal and right stand with God and life for all men. And the next verse says, for just as by one man's disobedience, failing to hear, heedlessness, and carelessness, the many were constituted sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be constituted righteous, made acceptable to God, brought into right standing with him. That is as clear as can be, period, full stop. Bold underline it, seal it, it can't change. I am the righteousness of God today, yesterday, as I was tomorrow. And there is nothing the devil can do about it. And every time we preach about this righteousness, they say, ah, you're telling people to sin. No, 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 no. Put it into the perspective of the devil. How do you think the devil feels when you are acquitted? You know, some people don't think. Just think for a moment. How does the devil think when you are like a lamb going to be what? Sacrificed and judged. And then God says, yeah, he's screwed up, but his mind let go. <laughs> oh, my God. When we're growing up, I know some of you, you, you were very good kids when you were growing up. Some of us were also good. You understand what I'm saying? But when we were growing up, we used to have something we used to call, um, we used to call it nugu. Who remembers the word nugu? There was an assumption that when somebody got mad at you, when somebody, for example, somebody felt jealous and envious of you, there's a thought in African culture that something starts to swell here. Something invisible starts to swell here. And that thing can choke a person. And they stop even breathing because they are seeing somebody successful. And they're jealous because it's happening. And there's nothing they can do. You remember those days? So I remember one time, you know, this teacher comes in class with a huge stick. And he says, who was talking? And then the class monitor says, Robert. And the Robert says, no, I wasn't talking. No, 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 he was talking. And the class teacher comes with his stick. And these two guys have something. They've been probably having beef for a couple of weeks. Eh? So they don't like each other. So they want to get back at each other by one guy telling the teacher that this guy was talking. You understand? In Africa, they don't beat. They clobber. We have sticks this long like this. So, so this teacher comes in with a stick, right? And you are talking. And it's true you are talking. And so the class captain is like, Robert was talking. So Robert stands and says, I wasn't talking. And this teacher comes like he's going to beat you. You start sweating. Your heart leaves the chest and it goes up here. And then this teacher comes with a stick like this. And he says, I will beat. And then you're, you're sure it's landing somewhere. And then somebody does like this and then he doesn't beat you. And then he walks away. And then you wait for the teacher to go out of the classroom. And then you stand up and look at the class and say, ah, ha, 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 That's how it feels like when the devil comes through and tells you, you are accused. You're going to hell because of the many sins you've done. God has judged you. There is no future for you. You're gone. You're gone. Whatever you've done, nothing can change. And some of you, you've messed up so bad that if we are to look at your criminal records, you're supposed to be underwater, arrested underwater. And while you're being taken to slaughter and judgment is on you and you deserve judgment and mercy says no. 
<laughs> and then after that, you look at the righteousness imputed on you through faith. And then you turn a bit sometimes, and this I do it alone. But sometimes, things would happen. And I'd look like nobody's watching me. And I turn to hell like this and I tell the devil, No go! <laughs> the devil is a liar. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. That's why we sing that song. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sins who made an end to all my sins uh -huh. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and me. Told me, behold him there, the risen love, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory. I don't know whether you know what the devil is feeling like as you're singing that song. The King of Glory, one with Himself, one with Himself, I cannot die. Just by His blood, my life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior. My Lord, Christ, my Savior. Every time you sing that song, the devil wants to explode. And there is nothing he can do about that. Woo! No, he's telling people to sin. I didn't tell people to sin. You're the one who thinks I'm telling people to sin. Because the devil is talking to you. Right now, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Somebody say, I'm free. So, I have the righteousness. In Genesis 18, 23, you remember that battle Abraham has with God about the righteousness of people, right? I'm going to destroy what? Sodom and Gomorrah. So, this guy is asking him, okay, if there are 20 people, if there are 30, and he read that. He says, and Abraham drew near and said, will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? When God tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham is like, okay, wait. Are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? Is the sin of the wicked going to override the righteousness of the righteous? Oh! And the next verse says, 
and peradventure there be 50 righteous men within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare? Now look at how Abraham saw it. And not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein. This was Abraham's understanding. Abraham's thought was that he was sure the Lord can destroy the righteous. He was sure. Because he had received the gospel already. The Bible says, and the scriptures for us saying that God would justify the Gentiles through faith. He says, he went afore and preached this gospel unto Abraham, saying in thee shall all nations be blessed. He says, they foresaw that God would justify the heathen through faith. When God saw it that he would justify you and I because you're a believer, he went to Abraham and told him, look, I want you to know this mystery. He preached to him. And amazingly, the mystery of understanding the justification through faith for the heathen brings the blessing. God didn't literally tell him the way you understand it. He just told him, in thee shall all nations be blessed. In thee. In thee. Because Abraham is a representation of the faith into righteousness. Oh, the righteousness, which is of faith. I don't know that I'm making sense. So when he tells him, in thee shall all nations be blessed. The scriptures are talking about a blessing that comes because of faith into justification. Because of the righteousness, which is of faith in Christ Jesus. When God sees that, he knows that anybody through that will be blessed. Anybody. Anybody who believes that will be blessed. So it's a blessing for nations. You understand what I'm saying? Now here's an issue. God is telling him, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Guy runs, oh, he remembers. He says, wait. Are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? He says, by adventure, if there be 50 righteous men within the city. Now look at Abraham's thought. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? This is what Abraham thought. Even though he believed in the righteousness by faith, Abraham thought that God would destroy all the wicked and then preserve a place for the righteous. That's how Abraham taught it. You see? He knew God can destroy all the wicked and then preserve a place for the righteous because he knew the righteous can't be touched. And God corrected him. The next verse said, That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all nations do right. And God tells him, The Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, he says, I will spare all the place. Somebody told me, oh, there's going to be war in Uganda. I told them, you don't understand it. As long as I'm in this land, there's not going to be war. Oh, you did you get what I just said. Oh, there's going to be war in Uganda. No, 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 no. There's not going to be war in Uganda. And uh, sometimes, you know, some of you must take heed with things people call prophecy. You know, can I say something? I, there's something I've always wanted to teach about. It's called sanctifying the offices because the fivefold ministry is beautiful but it and i'm speaking from an apostolic perspective but it needs a form of sanctification of the offices for people to know exactly their part and lot in the revelation and understanding of how every joint supplies in line to whatever is revealed according to divine purpose because that's what brings manifestation in every dispensation some people like jonah they're like oh, i knew you're merciful 
Why did you even send me there? Now I prophesied and my prophecies have not come to pass. And some even celebrate the fact that whatever they've spoken has come to pass. Didn't I tell you? Because for them, what they speak is more important than... Now when I say that, some will think he's against prophet. I'm not against any prophet. I'm speaking even... The apostolic can only interpret the prophetic. It cannot fight it. It cannot fight the prophetic. It can only interpret it. When the apostle Paul is quoting Isaiah and he's quoting Ezekiel and, and he's quoting all these guys, he's simply interpreting it. We cannot be against it. He says we cannot be against the truth but for truth. That's part of the primary responsibility of somebody called a man of God. We cannot do anything against the truth but for truth. We cannot be against truth. Anybody who thinks that we can think of such a thought has not understood God. Neither has understood purpose in God's master plan for the church. Of course, some people will think, ah, these men of God. No, 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 no. You don't know us. And we're not like everyone. You understand what I'm saying? Or some of you, you're raised probably in ministries where people are fighting each other. And you think, no, 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 we cannot fight. We can only heal. God has not called us out of the camp to fight the camp. We bought the reproach out of the camp because we knew that with that reproach, experiences come to cause obedience. He slant obedience through the things he suffered. That's the primary place of our consecration. That, without that camp, it's, it's a place where God will separate you for the three things. He will teach you. He will kill you and he will test you into maturity. That's the wilderness. When Jesus goes in the wilderness, those are experiences he has. When Paul is separated from Damascus into Arabia, those are the experiences he has. That man cannot come out without the camp and come back into the camp and seek to break it. Although when Paul is preaching to the people in Jerusalem, it seems as though he's speaking blasphemies, but he cannot speak blasphemies. It's not in his nature to speak blasphemies. You get my point? It's not in his nature to fight Jerusalem. He's trying to heal Jerusalem. And Jerusalem didn't understand it. And what is the consequence of that? The church in Jerusalem, as we know, it is dead. And the Gentile church is a success where Paul laid his foot. Because they looked at Paul as an enemy. We cannot. Now, for example, you've read a scripture that says, The Lord shall not do a thing except he reveal it to his servants. The prophets. We're not talking about God revealing to a prophet what is supposed to come. We're talking about God revealing to a servant prophet. You get my point? And in the New Testament dispensation, we're not talking about slaves. No. We're talking about bond servants. Paul introduces himself as a bond servant of Christ. In other words, we choose to serve God by choice. We are servants by choice. We are free. And yet we don't use our liberty for a what? For vice. But even as a clock, we use it to extend righteousness and love to people. Am I making sense? Now, there's a difference between a prophet and a servant who is a prophet. Do you get what I'm trying to tell you? Because there are many things that come into a man saying that I serve God. It's more than just the active duty that people see. It's deeper than that. It's a yielded spirit to purpose. It has the revelation, the full understanding of the person of God and what he intends to do. A man stands in front of a nation and says, the Lord has told me Uganda is under judgment. And I'm like, wait, when there are righteous men in there, 
You don't get it. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. You say that some people in Uganda are under judgment. But God is not going to cause me to suffer because of a man's sin. He says the soul that sins shall die. Some of you are still repenting on your generational curses of your uncles, cousins. Oh, because our grandfathers sinned. Oh, who told you that? Because we read it in the Bible. And then he says, in that day, that notion shall not be said. That the fathers ate of bitter fruits and their children's teeth are set on the age. He says, for the soul that sins, it shall die. You'll pay for your stuff. If my grandfather did witchcraft, let him do it with it. Let him also deal with his God. There's no point of me carrying my grandfather's story. Ah, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? But some of you, you're still repenting. You've gone five generations. And every time you're going there, you're failing. Things are worsening. The more you pray, the worse you become. Because you don't understand truth. Yes, somebody can come with a prophetic word and say, oh yes, the wicked in the country are judged. But you can't say, the Lord has judged America. The Lord has judged Uganda. No. There are righteous men in there. And he will preserve that place for them. He says, I will not let my holy ones see corruption. There are things God, you be wicked as you want. There are things God won't allow me to see for me. Because there's a fulfillment of what he promised me. It's like when he told Simeon that you shall not die until you see the salvation of Israel. Simeon can't get cancer and he worries. When he hasn't seen Jesus. Ah, you don't get what I just said. Some things are bigger than the things you're going through. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a small thing for a doctor to say you have HIV and you have this long to live. When the Lord has spoken a prophecy on your life longer than HIV can live. Do you know why I can't die now? I haven't finished. I can't. I can't. You don't get it. You can't die. Dying means you're finished. Dying means you've what? Finished. I have not yet finished. I've, just, I've not even yet started yet. How can I die now? Even Jesus. He says it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. That is your Lord. Because he knew it was finished. But before that he said the prince of this world has nothing in me. His life was not taken. He gave it. His life was not taken. He what? He gave it. Tell somebody I cannot die until I finish. That's a prophetic word there on your life. Say I cannot die until I have finished. I cannot. I cannot. I cannot. If you're a parent, say it for your child too. Mention your child's name. Tell her Rachel you will not die in the name of Jesus until you finish your course. Richard you will not die in the name of Jesus until you finish your You cannot die in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now the Lord tells him look if there are 50 righteous people I'll preserve that whole place for them. You get my point? I will spare all the place for their sex. For them. That means some people leave because of us. Is that proud or humble? Yeah, it's humble. It's a humble statement. Some people are alive because of you. They are breathing because you're here. 
If you leave, they, are not, they don't have a story. Righteousness exalts a nation. So the Bible says. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah again. The Lord will bless the righteous. That's what the Bible says. The righteous shall feed many. That means you can't understand the gift of righteousness and you have a small church. You can't, even if you try. Oh, you didn't get it, did you? He says the lips of the righteous feed many. Oh, why is your ministry growing? Because we are imputing righteousness. Oh, no, you're telling them what they want to hear. No, no, no. We're not telling them what they want to hear. We're telling them what they must hear. Some of you think itching ears is only speaking good things. No. They can also be bad things. You know there are people who just love to be judged. When you tell them, God is going to judge you, they say, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. You remember in Isaiah 54? Do you remember Isaiah 54? <laughs> Let me read for you something. <laughs> uh, give me verse 13. Give me the message. The Bible says, all your children will have God for their teacher. Oh, 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 oh. Physical and spiritual, right? What a mentor for your children. And the next verse says, for you'll be built solid, grounded in righteousness. Solid, grounded in righteousness. When a man understands this, it extends to your children. That's why some of you have struggling children. Your children are struggling. Because you've not understood the free gift of righteousness. When you get it and understand it and receive it, you can claim the promise too and say, God, you said you shall be the teacher of my children. You'll not only teach them the things of this world, you'll also teach them the things of you. You are the mentor. When a man understands this, your children can't go funny. For those of you who plan to have children, or already have. You understand what I'm saying? They cannot. Physical and spiritual. The only guarantee I have before God that he will teach you is because I'm builded on righteousness. The gift. The free gift. There is nothing in this world, and let me say this very strongly, like I can ever do that can ever convince me out of the righteousness I have with God. It, nothing. There is nothing I can ever do that can ever convince me out of the righteousness that I have in God. Because I know how I received it. I did not receive it because I was a good prayer warrior. Oh yes, I pray. But that's not how I received my righteousness. I received it because I received Jesus. The free gift. Faith in him. So he says, you'll be built solid, grounded in righteousness. Far, listen, from any trouble, nothing to fear. Far from terror. It won't even come close. Can you read in the Amplified? Go back, the Amplified. I'm going to come back. And all your spiritual and all your spiritual children, he says, shall be, this is for the pastors now. Thank you, Lord. Shall be disciples, taught by the Lord and obedient to his will, and great shall be the peace and undisturbed composure 
of your children. And the next verse says, and you shall establish yourself in righteousness, rightness in conformity to God's will and order. And you shall be, listen, I love the way the Amplified says, far from even the thought of oppression or destruction, for you shall not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near you. When a man understands the free gift of righteousness, you can't expect oppression. You can't expect destruction. You can't expect terror. You can't expect fear. It doesn't mean it won't come. It only means it won't touch you. Do you know Christians who are expecting destruction? Every time. Every time they're expecting to be destroyed. Every time they're expecting something bad is going to happen to them. You call the guy at midnight and say, huh, what's wrong? <laughs> Every time your parents call you, you think they have a heart attack. Every time your cousins call you, you think they have a problem. Some of you are too conscious. Are you okay? What's, are there any trouble? What's happening? Every time you, hand, you answer phone calls, the first thing that comes is safety. Because in the world, they say safety first. Is that not what they say? Why? Because they assume that you live in a risky environment. And the first thing that has to be in your head is safety. For us, we are way past that. We have the life, which is of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah again. Now, let's go back to the message. He says, if anyone attacks you, don't for a moment suppose that I sent them. And if any should attack you, nothing will come of it. <laughs> nothing will come of it. That's why you don't fear. That's why the Bible says in no way is afraid of our adversaries. In nothing terrified. In nothing terrified. In nothing terrified. Which for them, the Bible says, is an evident token of perdition. But to you, of salvation and that of God. In I don't fear those who attack me. I don't fear them. I don't fear them. So that's why he says in Isaiah. Some of you used to think, oh, this person is attacking me because I'm a bad person. No. He says, and if anyone attacks you, you know what? Even if you're the worst person, nobody, I am supposed as your God to chastise you, deal with you. I will get all that nonsense and sin out of you and still preserve you. But I have not planned to make a man attack you to destroy you. I am your God and I have imputed righteousness on your life. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And he says, if anyone attacks you, don't for a moment suppose that I sent them. He says, and if any should attack, nothing will come of it. Now, I love the way he says it in the next verse. The next verse says, I create the blacksmith who fires up to forge and make a weapon and design to kill. I also create the destroyer. You know why he's saying that? When he says, nobody shall destroy you. He's saying, I'm the one who created anybody who can destroy you. That's what he's trying to say. Even the devil, God created the devil. He knows how far the enemy can stretch. And it's out of that persuasion to tell you, I create the blacksmith who fires up the forge and makes a weapon designed to kill. I also create the destroyer. And the next verse says, but no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. Somebody shout hallelujah. No weapon that can hurt you. No weapon that can hurt you. That can hurt you. The ones they are making can't. I make the guys who make them. I make the guys who make the law. I make the guys who create ordinances. I make the guys who build institutions. I created the guys who make anything. Even the guys who make these things you see as order. 
in society. I created them. And there is no law that can hurt you. Nothing. Hey. Hey. Sleep in peace. Tell your neighbor, it shall be well with you. What a peace. What a peace. What a joy. What a wonder to even imagine for a moment that I can sleep and not worry of any man harming me. And the Bible says, any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. <laughs> Give me the amplified of that. He says, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. He says, this peace, righteousness, security, triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And is what? Reproduced. This is the righteousness or the vindication which they obtained from me. This is that which I impart to them as their justification. That is why the KJV says, and their righteousness is of me. It has nothing to do with them. That's what it means to be a servant of God. Touch me if you like. But the righteousness I carry on my life, it's not mine. The Lord owned me. The Bible says he possessed me from my mother's reins. Me where I've reached, I'm like the psalmist. Even if I say now, Apostle Grace, I'm going to hell and make a bed there. He will also come there and join me. That's what the psalmist... <laughs> ah, listen, he said, even if I ascend into the heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And the next verse says, I'll take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. And he says, even there, your hand shall lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. There are people, even if you see them in hell, God is with them. You didn't get it, did you? Some of you don't know what it means to be possessed. He's a jealous God. Are you hearing me? He doesn't just possess you. He's even jealous in possessing you. Somebody said they're talking about me. Tell your immediate neighbor they are talking about me. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Tell somebody I'm owned by God. Oh, they sent witchcraft on me. Send it. Oh, they sent this on you. Let them send it. Let... Some of you, you have to be at a place where you're like, bring it all. Bring it all. Because some people need to know who owns you. Some people need to know what you're really made of. Some people need to know that you're not just a joking subject. Somebody shout hallelujah. He possessed me from my reins. Even in my mother's womb, he put a protection and said, this is Luega Grace. Anything can fail, but this guy can't die. This one right here. You can put your name there. Now the God who saved me when I was still in my mother's womb, he has not brought me this far to be destroyed by a man. No man can destroy me. You can say the same for you too. I say no man can destroy you. You can say the same for you too. Some of you, you lose sleep because of people who are sending witchcraft. Because of people who are sending things and putting things in your car and under bed and speaking things against you at your workplace. They are blackmailing you. They are backbiting you. They are saying things you didn't say. You are even sad and crying. Why are they falsely accusing me? I have good news for you. 
nothing that can hurt you has ever been made. I made the blacksmith. Nothing. 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 This is my father's world. You remember that song? This is my father's world. There's a verse in there where he sang a part and he says, Sometimes the wrong seems so often strong. You know, you can go through things and sometimes the people who are against you seem like they are so strong to be overcome. The Bible says, I gave up nations for you. God would kill a whole nation to save you. Sir. And all the wrong seems oft so strong. God is the ruler. This is a father's Here for us the battle is done. The battle is already done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and love and hell. Who are you to torment me in my own country? This is my father's world. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Isaiah 60 verse 17. That should be the last I should speak because of time. He says, for brass I will bring gold. For iron I will bring silver. For wood, brass and for stones, iron. I will also make thy officers peace. And thine executors righteousness. Your officers. And the next verse says, for violence shall no more be hard. In Uganda. Wasting no destruction within thy borders. But thou shalt call thy wall salvation. And thy gets what? Praise, hallelujah. And the sun shall be no more thy light by day. Neither for the brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. But the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light. And thy God, thy glory. And the next verse says, and the sun shall no more go down. Neither shall the moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light. And the days of thy mourning shall be ended. Thy people also shall be all righteous and they shall inherit the land forever the branch of my planting the work of my hands that I may be what glorified and he says a little one shall become a thousand and a small one a strong nation I the Lord will hasten it in his time even the pastors who run the branches of Fanero. The list shall be a thousand. The list. That's why he told us, go ye make disciples of all nations. Not in all nations. Of all nations. Not in all. Of all. There's a difference. Of all nations. That means nations are supposed to bow because I am here. You can put your name there too. And by the way, let me say this as a prophetic word as I finish. In this very atmosphere, the Lord is entrusting some individuals with nations. 
I've just seen it. Spirit of a sovereign Lord. Spirit of a sovereign Lord. You see, the responsibility of a nation is not the responsibility of a building in a nation. And soon I'll preach about God's mind on nations and church if you like. God's mind on nations is he, he has drawn every man and their boundary of habitation. If happily they might seek after him and feel after him and find him because it can't be fought by those who don't feel. But the boundaries of habitations have been appointed to nations. And firstly, you are spiritually and then physically. And somebody tonight, I don't know who you are. But in a few years, they'll say, the Lord gave him that nation. The Lord gave her that nation. The spirit of the Lord is strong here. Some of you, the responsibility that the Lord gives you is way bigger than you can imagine. Don't underestimate what God can do with one man. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Some of your responsibility is bigger than just because your righteousness is of him. Has he not spoken and said the least among them shall be a thousand and a small one a strong nation? What will the greatest be? What will the greatest among them be? Think for a moment. What will the greatest among them be? Have you ever thought for a moment what the greatest among us will be? Our kind will be. He says the righteous shall inherit the earth. It's our portion. That's why he has instructed us to occupy until he comes. We are the branch of his planting. The work of his hands that he may be glorified. Can you raise your hands right now and tell God I receive the gift of righteousness that you've given me? Can you speak something? Receive it in Jesus' name. Receive it in Jesus' name. Somebody speak to God. Somebody speak to God. Somebody speak to God. Come on, somebody speak to God. Let the ruins come to life in the beauty of your name. Rising up from the ashes, God forever you reign. And my soul will find refuge. Receive it. I will love you forever. Somebody start to receive. Speak in tongues. I want you to make a prayer to God that receives these words. 
God forever you reign and my soul will find refuge in the shadow of your wings I will love you forever forever I'll stand let the ruins come to life beauty of your name rising up from the ashes God forever you reign my soul will find refuge the shadow of your wings I will love you forever forever I'll stand the beauty of your name rising up from the earth God forever you pray so we'll find refuge shadow of your wings I will love you forever Forever I'll stand. This is what I hear the Lord tell me. And you can raise your hands if you like to receive it. We are in one of the most beautiful times to be alive. Where the Lord is entrusting people with things bigger than their age. Bigger than their networks. Bigger than their education level bigger than their connections, bigger than their ethnic group, bigger than their tribe, bigger than their tongue. <laughs> Jesus. Open the eyes of that person to see. My God, my God, my God. Indeed, Gentiles shall come to your light. The sun and the moon shall not give you light. In as you'll not depend on the elements of the earth matter. Of earthly matter. Of physical creation to get light. Somebody receive this profound thing. Some of you the Lord is going to place you in one of the most remarkable positions the world has ever seen only for one reason that he has spoken that thou shall be the head and not the tail receive it receive it my God there is an anointing here that changes things the course of your life like it is known Somebody tonight is receiving a great, 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 great manifestation of responsibility. May nations respond to you. My God. The anointing is that crazy. Father, we receive it. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it. 
we receive it. May the Lord grant you something that many people have not seen. In fact, I hear that that, that some of you, God wants to give you something. Indeed, I has not seen it. But it's inside your spirit. My responsibility as a man of God is to call it out. It's to call it out. I feel something for the worshippers. Choir, put up your hands. Choir, put up your hands. There. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to receive it? Take it in the name of Jesus. Take it in the name of Jesus. Take it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, I'm a wonder. I'm doing big things in this world. Somebody say, I cannot fail. In the name of Jesus. Great things are happening in my life. I carry the righteousness of God. The anointing operates on my life freely. The word of God has free course in my spirit. I have doors of utterance. I carry access for all things. Somebody just receive it and say it's mine. In the name of Jesus. Wow. Give the Lord a marangalable praise. Wow. Are you feeling what I'm feeling? Are you feeling what I'm feeling? <laughs> Some of you don't even know what just happened to you. But in a few days you will know. You will understand. God is going to preserve people because of you. Hundreds and thousands of people are going to be saved because of you. God is going to preserve nations because of you. And let me tell you, you might look so normal right now. So Ugandan right now that nothing good can ever come out of you. But in a couple of years, you remember these days. That something was stirred in your spirit that changed the course of your life like you remember it. In Jesus' mighty name. Clap your hands to Jesus. Now, if you're here and you've never received the Lord as your Savior and you want to be born again and you want to receive this free gift, this is for those which are born again. It's not for any man who is not born again. But if you are born again, you receive the free gift of righteousness. And everything we've spoken makes sense and will come to you. But more than just the things that come to you. I want you to know Jesus died for your sins. And was raised for your glorification. I want you to come here and we lead you in a confession prayer. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior tonight, I want you to walk here. God bless you. Wow. Come on, ask the saints. Whoever wants to receive Jesus, bring them here. You take me. You more.
guys are coming. I want you to touch where it's painting. God is healing the sick right now. If you're sick, I want you to touch where it's painting. We rebuke every spirit of infirmity and disease. We command it out in the name of Jesus. I declare and I declare that heart attacks are far from him. He shall not die. In Jesus name. Receive your healing now receive your healing and if you've been healed put up your hand right now if you've received healing and you've been healed wow somebody clap your hands to Jesus it's that easy deaf ears blind eyes the Lord is healing you now so you guys put up your hands I want you to repeat these words after me say Lord Jesus tonight I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe that you died and rose again for me, that you shed your blood for me, that you are the Son of God. I receive your Lordship and salvation over my life. The Amen. message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.